Okay, I just played the last two together because I was going to say the same thing. Paul, Kevin Touch, I couldn't imagine two better dining companions at any restaurant. I would love to have you guys come out to Milwaukee and we would go there. You know, and uh, stop on by. We go to Jersey. What's, what's Jersey famous for? I'm trying to think. Atlantic City? God, I, I was there for Fort Dick. You know what? I really didn't get to experience it other than almost getting married there. Whoa, it just got super windy. Ooh, that kind of startled me. Um, yeah, anytime, Touch. Anytime. So, Paul. Um, I, I thought about it on the fly, and I wanted to ask you the questions. And, Touch, you, you should listen to this, too. When I was when I was when I was asking her the questions, I wanted to I wanted an answer to my question, but I wanted to ask her in a way that didn't come off as being offensive, because people are real jumpy right now, you know, with the way Trump's been doing stuff, and and I just you know I just didn't want to I didn't want to come off as being a dick, you know, so that's why I asked it that way, and so. You know, and I think she understood what I was trying to say, because and she was very proud of her establishment. You know, people like being connected. You know, having that. You know, it's a very unique heritage to have a business, white or black or any, you know, ethnicity, and, and for 65 years, going strong. I mean, that's that's something. You know, that's something right there. It doesn't matter what you get, but it is good stuff. Oh my God, was it good? But. The thing is, is that when I got her to talk, because she was really busy, and I caught her in a moment, because they had messed up more. Well, they didn't mess up the order, but they weren't sure whose order was who. They thought I was going through the drive-thru. I guess what happens is, this is going to sound a little strange, most of the black people come in the store and order, and most of the white people go through the drive-thru, and they order through the drive-thru window, because it's a predominantly black neighborhood. But I didn't want that. I wanted the atmosphere. I wanted to meet the people. I wanted to go inside. I wanted to, you know, I wanted to experience the place. Not just the taste of the food, but I want to experience the flavor of the people. And I thought they were fantastic. So would I go again? Absolutely. Absolutely. Would I try to get more people to talk to me? Yeah, a little bit. I think uh, people were were kind of. Uh, uh, looking at me kind of crazy when I was talking on the phone. You know, they thought I was, like, nuts or something, which is, you know, I can understand. If I did it again, I'd do it a little bit better. You know, I think of Anchor as, like, well, like what Paul does. It's either street photography, he does street audio. That's that's how I think of Paul. So, I don't know. It's good times. But, yeah, the people there were really nice. And I was really happy for the interaction. And would I go again? Like I said, definitely. So, yes, good times. But I got—I think I need to work on my interviewing skills. Uh, which I see Kevin Touch has been doing a lot of on his own channels. I got to catch up to him. And I've been listening to Mr. Touch's interviews. And I actually think that they've been helping me out in my discussions with others. Not saying that, Kevin, I'm not saying your interviews are perfect. I'm just saying that 
the the things that you do, you do quite well. And the things where you mess up on a little bit are the things that I do myself. And that's why I notice it. And so listening to you helps me improve my own self because it teaches me what people are listening for. And if you guys haven't, I mean, most of you know who Tevin Touch is. But if you haven't heard any of his interviews, you really should go listen to some of them. He does a pretty good job. I definitely think they're worth listening to. And as for Paul, Paul's a street audio artist. Like street photography. He's street audio. You never know what you're going to get. But it's always, it's always going to make you smile. Kingfish, when you were describing your own reasons for going in, to the um, that that uh, and and not going in the drive the driver the drive around place and you were going in there and you were going to soak up the atmosphere and you were going to talk to the people. I was walking down the streets in Cork and my head was just nodding, and all I could think to myself was, this man's reasons for going in there are. Uh, I would have said the same reason why I wanted to go in there. I, I couldn't have said it better. And it's not very often that I have that experience. I mean, it, it's, it's not about being better, but I, I thought you said everything that I would have said, and that was great. That value you place, or you seem to place at least, it seems to me, uh, on immersing yourself in the experience and appreciating everything. The sounds, the smell, the voices, the architecture, um, the whole experience, appreciating that and being aware as well of how different an experience it would be for the people there to have you come into this, that space rather than you in your car going around the outside. That to me says a lot about your character, your personality and your values. Well Paul, my, my thinking was, and I think you'll agree with me on this because you're very immersive yourself in, in what's going on that if I would have gone through the drive through I might as well not have gone at all. I mean, I'm already going to... It's not that far away. It's only like 15 minutes from the house, 20 minutes from the house. But I took the side streets there because I didn't want to take the main road because it was going to be around rush hour traffic anyway. And then I wanted to see the community on the way in. And then I drove in there. And then I parked. There was plenty of parking. But I didn't want to... If I would have went through the drive-thru, I might as well not have gone in it at all. Because all all that would have done was I would have went there for ribs. I would have missed the experience. It wasn't... To be honest with you, I really didn't want the... I mean, it was... I mean, I wanted the food, of course. But it wasn't all about the food. It was the the atmosphere. And the way my son had built it up, because he works with 
the granddaughter of the people who, uh, you know, and the daughter, no, the daughter, she's the, I don't know, she's related somehow, like daughter or granddaughter or something, and uh, her grandmother started it, and then I think her dad runs it, and that kind of thing or something, I don't remember what it was, but I know I'm fubbing this because I'm tired, but he described it to me, and that's where I got the idea from, because you know, he just said, you know, he was describing as the oldest black barbecue place. And then he went to the local grocery store where you can even buy the sauce. How many, how many one small little restaurant places have their sauce at a, at the gro- the biggest grocery store in town? Not many, I would imagine. So what happened was, after he described it to me, I just had to go to check out the experience. Is that a spotter finally here? No, not for me. I'm in the back of the truck waiting for the spotter to come hook the setup so I can get the hell out of here. But, um, in a bobtail. Uh, but anyway, the, um, the whole experience was, you know, those kind of experiences are priceless. I just don't, uh, I don't know. It, it's, it's, you'll have to, you know, I, I didn't want to miss it, you know, I didn't want to miss that experience, because if you're going to go, you might as well go all the way, and the experience was free, to go in, I didn't really think about this until you brought it up, but to go inside was free, so why not do it, and then to talk to the people, and now, I wish I would have recorded more because I did, I talked to the to the people waiting for the food for quite a bit, but I didn't want to be. I don't know. I just I'm not really totally comfortable with it yet. Recording people, I did a little bit, but I didn't want to. Um, you know, I didn't want to invade anybody's space. In fact, there was one young man there, and he was there with his mother, and he was talking about how um, he had a, he just got his uh, CDL. That's a commercial driver's license. And I said, oh, I, I have a CDL. And we were talking, and he was talking about different jobs, and he goes, you know, he was just interested in whatever, but he hadn't got his hazmat license yet. That's hazardous materials. And I told him, I said, you got to get your hazardous materials. And so we started talking, and I was giving him career advice on trucking, since that's what he wanted to do. And, uh, you know... I said, you got to get that hazmat license. You want to get the pay. I told him what he could make once he does. and that I should. I wish I would have recorded all that, but that was such a spontaneous conversation that I'd never, I just didn't even think to record it. You know, I mean, it was just, I don't know. It was kind of cool. And then, uh, you know, when, uh, when the lady said the white boy, it's for the white boy at the counter or whatever she said, the, there was probably, I don't know, 15 people waiting for food. And every one of them started laughing. You know, and you can't hear that in the recording. Maybe a little bit you can hear it, but not too much. And I thought that was hilarious. You know, everybody was laughing. But it was a really nice place. But to be honest with you, at night, that is not a good place. That is not a good neighborhood. You will get, sh- you will get your ass shot in that neighborhood if you're, if you're a white guy. It's, it's messed up, but that's just the way it is. But, you know, I think it, I'm adding to this because I'm sitting here and i got nothing to do. But 
I'm thinking about this also, and it's it's street photography. It really is. It's street photography, but in audio. So it's audio. You know, I've said this before. It's audio. It's street audio. You know, street audio street photography. I don't know how to say it. You know, it's street audio. Let's just call it street audio. It's street audio. And, you know, a few people do it here and there on this app. But, Paul, you do it the best. I mean, by far. I mean, Toastmasters, you know, I mean, that was cool. And then uh, the the stuff we do with Roger, but he knows that's being recorded. But when you're, you know, when you're at the when you're at the pub or when you're doing the grocery shopping, or when you're, you know, a few other places, you know, I gotta say you you were the master, man. I mean, I don't even I'm 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 kind of curious how you do that because, you know, where do you have the microphone? What are you using? And how is it that, you know, I mean, obviously you can talk and you can, you, we can hear you when you talk, but then when you interact with people, we can also hear those people. So, did, and I, I don't really get the impression that they know they're being re- recorded, which is good because then they're, everything would change. As soon as the microphone comes out, everything changes and people stop be- being real. They start trying to be the person they, they think they should be, not the person they are. And the person they are is, the, the better version at least for audio so I'm just wondering how you do it because quite honestly I, I love that stuff you know the grocery store stuff the uh, the Toastmaster stuff the, the the you know the park car parking and you do it so well because one minute we're hearing your narration of what where you're at what you're going you're setting the scene you set the scene and then you're adding, then you're dealing with the characters. It's, so it's almost like you, you narrate the scene, and you and you, and every, where everything's going to take place, and then you interact with the characters. You know, as you as you run across them, it's it's quite fascinating, actually. I I I, I have to admit, you are a role model for me for this, because uh, I'd like to do better at that. I need to be more natural. But in this case, it was a new place. And I didn't know what the vibe was going to be. Because there can be racial tensions in this country quite high. And I was not in my own neighborhood. I was in their neighborhood. But everybody was cool. I mean, it was a really nice place. And I talked to the people in the place. And... You know, but you could tell there were some people that are like, you know, you just have to be really careful, you know. They didn't want to get shot. But if I would have got shot, I would have made sure I recorded it so that it would go down as the best being shot anchor audio ever. <laughs> I don't think that did cross my mind. I was thinking if some guy holds me up, you know, the anchor money of your life, hey man, uh, can you hold on a second? I gotta hit record. What? Yeah, I gotta hit record for my, uh, you know, for my anchor audience, my my people. No, man, you can't record this. Yeah, uh, I just, don't worry about it. It's cool. I mean, I just want to record it because, you know, I'm I'm trying to get in the top ten, and I think if you shoot me, 
um, you know, it might put me in the top ten, and you know, and that, and that might be all right. But I'll tell you what. How about this instead? How about I buy you dinner, and uh, you don't shoot me, and uh, you tell me your story? How's that sound? Oh well, okay. <laughs> so silly like that. Wouldn't that be funny? Oh my God, wouldn't that be funny? All right, I'm gonna stop recording. I gotta go to bed. I'll talk to you guys later. Okay, I'm gonna do this one again. Uh, yesterday it didn't turn out too good, so let's try it again. The world recognizes nothing short of performance because performance is what it needs and promises are of no use to it. The world recognizes nothing short of performance because performance is what it needs and promises are of no use to it. You know, and I'll say basically the same thing I said yesterday. Uh, you know what? It's bullshit. It's full-on bullshit. Because the world doesn't recognize performance. You know, it recognizes basically hollow promises. Shallow promises for the most part. You know, politicians, celebrities, whatever, they'll lie to you and they'll promise you the world and they don't deliver shit, but people keep buying into the same crap. And then somebody who, you know, who does that will become famous and people follow them, but then some doctor, you know, successful doctor or scientist or whatever, nobody even knows who they are. And those are the people that are performing. So, you know, the part where it says the world recognizes nothing short of performance, that's bullshit. And then in the part where it says because performance is what it needs, that I'll agree with. It definitely does need performance and needs that for us to survive and then promises are of no use to it yeah i'll give it that promises are of no use to it but you know what though people still buy into that bullshit they still follow f for the shallow promises so i'm kind of iffy on that one so the first two you know the first one nah you know perform it no and then because performance is what it needs? Oh, absolutely. And promises are of no use to it? Yeah. I agree. But it doesn't work out that way. Sadly. Okay, everybody. Do an update. We get a lot of positive responses on the Queen Barbecue uh, episode. And uh, <clears throat> I got to tell you, that was fun. That really was a lot of fun. I think I could have done it a lot better, though. Like I should have talked to some of the people waiting in line. Stuff like that. Should have recorded more of that. Because it was a just a fun place. And it was just... And you could tell it was like a pillar of the community. It was a... You know, it's just a business that's been there forever. People are proud to have it in their community. The food was good. Like, when I made that comment, I said, oh, my God, the smell is amazing. Everybody in the room just nodded their head and said, oh, man, it tear you up when you come in air hungry. And you know what? They're right. It was that good. Oh, my God, was it good. But uh, I think I could have done it. But um, I catch myself. I could have, uh, could have, I think I could have done a little better. I should have been more interactive with the people. That's where I think I should have did it. If I had it, if I did it differently, 
I might have grabbed somebody. I haven't done this yet, but I might have grabbed somebody in the line and said, "Hey, let me buy you lunch. Come over here and talk to me." Something like that, and then know that, you know, let them know, of course, that I'm recording. That's something I might do in the future. But if I'm gonna if I'm gonna do that, do the hey, let me buy you lunch thing, I'm definitely gonna tell people I'm recording. Because if I can sit down and talk to someone for a certain length of time, I think I can get them most of the time to forget that I'm taping and I'm trying to get sound. And they'll forget and we'll just have a conversation. And once you get people in past the microphones and you get them into a conversation, that's where the real fun begins. When they when they get comfortable and forget they're in front of the mic. That's what I wish I had done. But I was in a hurry that day. I had to get home. I had to go to work later that night. But I'm going to try to do something like that next time, or or sometime in the near future anyway. And then this summer. I got some other plans. I got some places I want to do, places I want to go. And I'll bring uh, my little nephew, Evan, with me. Because uh, it's easier to get into. Uh, I did another. Um, it's easier to get into some places when you got a little kid. You know, it's like, Evan, run, run in there, Evan. Do this thing. Okay. Oh, then I'm going to chase you and pretend like I'm after you because you're going in the wrong area. Okay, uncle. Yeah, he's good for stuff like that. Evan, run up these stairs where it says we can't go in there. I want to check this place out. Okay. Stuff like that. I said, just don't fall off the roof if there's a roof up there, okay? I'll try not to. Yeah, he's a good kid. I'll do an interview with Evan. He's my favorite. So goofy. He's such a nice kid. But I will definitely bring Evan on here. Maybe we'll, we'll have to come up with a nickname for him. Corn boy. He likes corn. Give him, give him a big can of corn for Christmas once. <laughs> and I'll let you, I'll let him tell you about that. Anyway, that's what I got going on. It's Joplin. It's really nice out. Uh, I better call in Nathan. Oh, I did it again. I better call in Nathan's weather and tell him that uh, give him my weather report. Otherwise, he might fire me. All right. So anyway, that's my update. Not too much going on. Got some ideas for places around Milwaukee. Milwaukee's an older community. The oldest bowling alley in the United States is in Milwaukee, the Holler House. Might go there, do a, do a show, talk to those people. They got two lanes downstairs, the two, the two oldest operating bowling lanes in the United States. It's in a bar in Milwaukee. Might do that. They have the the person you roll the pin and they set the pins up for you, human beings. They roll the ball back. Yeah, yeah, they really still do that. Then there's Causes Mini Bowl in Milwaukee. That's another one. During World War II, they uh, didn't have the resources for a full bowling alley, so they built these like one-third lanes, and they used grapefruit balls, size balls made out of wood. Yeah, it's it's bowling, but miniature size. They have uh, human pen setters for that, too. Might do an episode there. By the way, that's a lot of fun. Okay. Four, three, two, one. Got to go. Kingfish out. Oh my god. I got a ton of call-ins and I didn't even realize it. They literally popped up with no notification. I had no idea there. So I'm going to go ahead and play and then I'm going to respond. I haven't listened to any of them yet. I literally had no idea they were there. So let's see what we got.
Hey, Kingfish, it's Bernie in Ireland. Big question for you. When you're roaming them highways, crossing state lines, do you look for food that's re really unique to the area, ethnic food? So here's the thing. You go to Jersey, you're asking about it, no matter which exit you get off of the Jersey Turnpike, it's Jersey Mike's or it's Fresh Deli sandwiches. They cut the meat right in front of you. It's excellent. Sub sandwiches, Jersey. Don't you remember that from Fort Dix? If you're in Ireland, you need fish and chips. Thick cut potatoes, french fries, and real battered cod. That's what you need in Ireland. What else? Oh, if you're blind, just let your nose guide you to the really fresh pizza and Italian food. Those are my tips. My question remains, when you're in an area, do you look for the ethnic food that's unique to the area? Curious minds want to know. And I'm hungry. Bye-bye-bye-bye-bye. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, I'll try different things if I'm in an area. But for the most part, like on these bids, I go to the same places all the time. So, But my favorite food is uh, Mexican food. I love you know, carne asada or um, El Pastor burritos. Uh, my favorite drink is horchata. It's a rice drink. It's a, oh, God, it's amazing. Horchata is the best. One time, uh, a friend of mine was running with me, and he's like, what's the name of that drink you drink, man? And I told him it was called Hortito. Hortito means little fairy, you know, like little gay guy. So he got up to the restaurant in Phoenix, everybody speaks Spanish, and he points at the dispenser, and he says, I, I want a mucho grande hotito. Now, he's pointing at the dispenser, which is see-through, it's one of the ones that, you know, recirculates, whatever, it's big clear thing. On the back side is the cook, so the girl turns around, and she looks back at the cook, and then she looks forward, and looks at my buddy, and then looks at the cook, and looks forward. Then she looks back at the cook and she said, Jose, I think he wants you. That's when my friend, he's like five foot four, Ken started jumping up and down and he's like, that motherfucker, I'm going to kill that motherfucker. God damn it, I'm going to kill that motherfucker. I, and I was standing behind another guy so he didn't see me because I had to park the truck. He's like, I, I, I know I couldn't trust that motherfucker. <laughs> he was so mad. Oh, my God, was he mad. Well, the thing is with Ken, he was, like, one of these, like, guys that, you know, he's not real, like, you know, like, school-educated. But he ain't dumb. I mean, by any means, he's probably one of the smartest guys I know. But it's all street smarts. And so to catch him on something like that is almost impossible. Oh, that's the best. But there's a, there's a few places we go. We go to... We go to Philip, uh, Phoenix, we go to Halibertos. That's where that was. That's just right off 51st Street. Uh, when I used to live in East L.A., we used to go to a restaurant called El Tapiac. Uh, when we're in Pennsylvania, of course, we have to get the Lebanon, uh, you know, the Lebanon bologna, bologna, you know. Uh, we're in Wisconsin, gotta have that cheese. When we're in uh, New Mexico, uh, California, course it's all mexican food new mexico at the loves truck stop where we get fuel across the street is a taco truck that guy makes a carne asada burrito that is just like to die for 
And his tacos are pretty good, too, but the burrito's a much better deal. Oh, stuff's good. But that's my favorite Mexican food. I think maybe because I... Yeah, I grew up in Los Angeles, so... Mexican food, to me, is like home. It makes me think of home. It's the thing that, you know, I was surrounded by the most. Taquitos. uh, Good uh, chimichanga. uh, Big burrito. Tacos. Stuff like that. You know, the Mexican food. In the, oh, East L.A. El Tapiac. El Tapiac restaurant in L.A. It's just amazing. Oh, it's just the best. Just the best. But no, I haven't been at Fort Dix when I was there. Uh, all I saw was the food. Ah, I did it again. All I saw was the food at the mess hall. Because I literally went there, got off the bus, went straight into boot camp, got out then uh, did boot camp, and then immediately they bust me right out. And then right after boot camp, we had like a week or two before AIT where I went to Fort Gordon. So I stopped in Washington, D.C. and, you know, uh, you know stay with my aunt. My aunt lives in Alexandria. And she would drop me off downtown, and I'd go explore Washington, D.C., which is why I was there during the unveiling of the statue of the three Vietnam soldiers down by the Vietnam Wall. Yeah, that famous statue? I was there that day. I was standing right there. I literally had no idea they were going to do that. I just happened to walk up on it, and I was like, oh, wow. I just got out of boot camp. So, yeah. But yeah, I would definitely eat pizza in New York, Chicago, uh, you know, but I'm not a big fan of Chicago hot dogs. It's like a salad on a hot dog. What the hell is that all about? Oh, Kingfish, in in relation to, I'll definitely go back in relation to that. And I have to start with the end of it, where you're talking about catching the the, the, the shooting of you for your anchor audience. I have tears coming out of my eyes. That is... No piece of audio that I can think of right now was better than that for me. You know, I'm sure there are other good ones, but my God, that's just fabulous. I love it. I think that's. I think everyone should listen to it. That's um, okay. I I got a couple of things to go back on. The easiest one to go back on is that uh, years ago I was trained on how to interview people uh, for research purposes. I, I worked as a, and I taught people. So I was trained, because it's what I did at university, on how to design interview questionnaires and how to, the different options you have when you're going to ask people questions and closed questions and questions that have options and all of that stuff is now it's going back a long time I did but the the thing about it is that I also taught people how to do it so that has cemented it now you came up with that question for that woman either on the fly or else you thought about it before if you did it on the fly I think you know you're I'm in awe but even if you thought about it beforehand you it was superb, utterly superb. And if you're talking about I need to be lots and lots of practice as an interviewer, yes, you do, so do I, so does everybody. But 
I, I think you're off to a fact. Well, you know, what it was is, I mean, it, it seriously, I, I was basing it, I wouldn't say it was entirely on the fly because it was all based on what we had talked about before. And I was basing what I was talking to them about in the way that you had asked questions earlier, Paul. So I wouldn't say that I came up with it totally on the fly. But when I got there and I started talking to her through the window, because we were talking through like a bulletproof piece of glass, and I just set the phone down in the area that where you collect the food, right between the open window. And uh, I told her what I was doing ahead of time. I, I, I wanted to ask her a question, but it was like literally, uh, there's a lot of tensions today here. And I wanted to make sure that she understood that I wasn't being a dick, you know, that I, that I, that I genuinely was interested. And so that's why I did it, because I was afraid that she might, she wouldn't realize where I was going, because I only had a few minutes. Now, normally I don't like to give people choices, but I just wanted to, you know, just kind of give her an idea of what I was thinking, you know. You know, how, how would she like to be known, or how they like to be known? And I think that's, that's where I got it from. My my main concern was I want a good audio, but I I didn't want to be misunderstood. You know I, I I wanted I wanted them to know that I was genuinely interested in what she thought, and I think she did think I did I think she did think it. I think she thought I was still a little crazy for recording what I was saying, but the lady was very natural. I never did get her name. But she was very natural, and she just she talked like she forgot the microphone was there, and she just started talking, and she did that like right away. I would love to sit down with her for a little bit longer, and ask more questions, but that place is so busy, and those people are running around like crazy that they just don't have time. But maybe I'll talk to my son, and he can talk to his coworker. Maybe we could work something out, and I'll go back and do it again on another time. Because I would love to go back there, go in the kitchen, ask them about certain things, ask them about their history. Because they got it 65 years in one location as a restaurant. They have to have some stories. You know they have stories. But it's just a matter of getting them to talk about them. That's what I want. That's what I want to do. Stuff like that. You know, like I said earlier, I want to go to the Causes Mini Bowl. I want to do an episode there. I want to go to the Holler House. I want to do the oldest bowling alley. There's cattle auctions up in mid uh, middle of the state. When I get more time off this summer, maybe I'll grab Evan and go to the cattle auction. I've always wanted to go to the cattle auction. I'm not going to buy a cow. I just want to go so I can check it out. You know, the the nice thing about the audio is that when I'm thinking as I'm recording this and I'm doing and I'm talking to different people, it's definitely more interesting than oh, that guy cut me off, or I'm, you know, because after a while, you guys will get bored with where I'm at, because it's just the same trip every week. But, but, threw a butt in there. The thing is, I want to use the audio to get into places that I'm genuinely interested in, that I want to check out, that I want to see. That's what I want to do the audio for. There's another event in Milwaukee called Open Doors Milwaukee, where they open up the, the doors and you go into these places that you normally can't go. Like uh, the top of the building, the top of the gas building, or the gas is, 
they have this big huge globe up there and it changes color based upon the temperature yeah that's how you can tell the temperature. i don't even know what the scale is but you know the hot red or hot blue it's colder that kind of thing you know i'd love to hear the story from those people the north point lighthouse in milwaukee that's another great place the wind point lighthouse i'd love to go to the top there that's not that far away from the house uh wmse when they do an open house that's a uh uh, Milwaukee School of Engineering runs a radio station with live DJs. I would love to go in there, and I would love to check that place out. I just haven't had the time to do it. Uh, the trolley, they're building a new trolley in Milwaukee. I'd love to go talk to the mayor and say, hey, buddy, let's go for a ride. Let's have a talk. Uh, people are really pissed off at him about the building the trolley. So if I show some interest, maybe I can talk him into uh, getting a ride on there and talking to me while we're on it. I think that would be really cool. Stuff like that. I want to use the audio to open doors and see things that I genuinely wanted to see anyway. And if I can share it with you guys, so much the better. In relation to what do I do on the streets, if you like, as a street photographer, and I'm still uh, thinking about that. That's an audio street photographer. is a fantastic uh, thing to think about, and thanks a million for it. I mean... If I go out onto the street, or even anywhere now here, and I talk, I'm walking down the street, this is where I am, this is what the weather's like, etc., and I bump into somebody, I'm holding my iPhone, I don't use a microphone, I'm just holding my iPhone up to my mouth as I'm walking along. When I run into somebody, I drop the I don't drop the iPhone. I simply put it down by my side, holding it in sight. Now the microphone is pretty good on the iPhone. Well, very good. It will pick up what I say. So I go into a different mode, which is just literally, you know, have you got a book here? What have you got? Oh, thank you. And then I leave again. So it's awfully simple process I do. Through repetition, I've developed a kind of good feel for how good the microphone is, what the iPhone will pick up, and what what it's not so good at picking up. So, and the other thing is that you see, when you hold a, a smartphone in your hand these days, especially good on Anchor because Anchor doesn't look like the waveform isn't. You know, if somebody catches a glimpse on it, they're not going to know what's going on. You know, I can hold the iPhone upside down. I can turn it around on its back so that people aren't distracted by seeing numbers move along. Um, it, I have lost all self-consciousness and sense of apology uh, only if I meet a friend in the street. And if I do meet a friend on the street, I will always say, oh, hi, I'm, I'm recording, by the way. There are very few, very few people that I know already who I will record without um, telling them. There are one or two who I would record because they know me so well that they trust me so much that they know that, for example, if they said something which was private that I would not upload it or anything like that. Um, Sometimes I tell people that I'm recording them, and sometimes I don't. I'm not 100% comfortable about recording my daughter without telling her, because we've had conversations but about it in the past. But uh, I justify it on the grounds of the greater good. 
which isn't a great um, justification, but that's the only one I feel wary about. And whereas I, I have, and will do it again, left the iPhone uh, re recording in the kitchen with it turned upside down and recorded the sound of my wife's voice. I would never dream of sharing it, even on Anchor or anywhere, because everything I everything I share goes through a kind of question: How do I feel if this is, you know, on radio, on TV, on the front page of the local newspaper? Am I bothered by it? And I I don't think I've ever published anything on anywhere that I haven't asked that question about. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, but you will never hear the sound of my wife's voice, ever. You know, I really like the way you're sharing your process because these are all things that I'm thinking about right now because I really enjoyed the street audio performance. Street audio. I think that's what I'm going to call it from now on. Street audio. I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed doing it. But I think, like you, see, people don't know that I'm doing it yet. So I need to be more, I think I need to be more open about it, more. But I like, I like what you're saying. And I like how you, you, it sounds like you've gotten everybody used to what you're doing. And I like the fact that they know I like the part where you said that, you know, if people hear you, they know that you'll, you know, they trust you enough to, you know, to not let go of things out that are there. You know, like if anybody calls in, I'm going to post everything on every call in, unless somebody writes private on there, then of course I won't post it. I won't post anything that anybody says is private. But if it doesn't say private on it or say private in it somewhere, it's open game. It's getting, it might get posted. Or maybe I'll save it for later when it's in context with something I'm trying to make a point on. But as far as the daughter, the uh, two two of the two of my favorite posts were with Grace, and one was the other day when and I told you about this in a private conversation. But it was the one where she was asking for the special pin and with the special colors and all this other stuff, and I was just like, I could just hear that the remorse in your voice was like, oh shit, I'm gonna screw this up. I don't know what the hell she's talking about. I'm going to screw this up. Because <laughs> yeah. you, you do care and you do want to get what she needs, but she's asking for something very specific. And I could just hear the, you know, the dread in your voice of, oh, shit, I'm going to screw this up. I thought that was kind of fantastic, actually. And, uh, you know, because you did care, that's why you had that sound in your voice. And then the other one was the rebel story. And the, the part that I love the best about the Rebel stories, Rebel stories are fantastic, but the part that was the absolute best, I mean, above and beyond the best, was when Grace asked how long the story was. And then you said, she asked, is it a short story, a long story? And you said, oh, it's a medium-length story. And then you said, do you want me to, you know, hurry through it? And she said, no, 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 just just tell the story, or however she said it. 
you know, just tell the story. But the way she said it was, like, so cute. You know, I mean, it was, like, it was, like, the best response, you know. When you're, when you're doing readings, your rebel stories are your best because you have a captive audience. And, you know, they always grow up, of course, but mine's 27 now. But that was the that was the best moment in the rebel story, when she said, "Take your time and tell the story." <laughs> Take your time, or however it was she said it. I forget exactly how she said it, but that was the absolute best moment. And she was so genuine and so clear, and just you could tell she was like just into the story. And I really liked that. That was awesome. That was that was really cool. That was a really cool moment. I wasn't ready for that, and it was just like, yeah. That was actually, that moment was actually better, is what made the story so good, was her response to the story. Because the rebel stories are good. But without Grace in the rebel stories, they're not as good. She brings the rebel stories to life. She's the one who makes it fascinating by her responses. And I just, when I heard that, I just thought, wow, that's awesome. That's what I think makes the Rebel stories great. Your audience. Kingfish Cage here. Yeah, what we're known for. Two things. Garden states. So, I used to gardening some fresh Jersey tomatoes and fruit. Uh, let's see. I'm not going to say AC because of politics and whatnot, but uh, let's go with that. Maybe. What are we doing for? I don't even know myself. Uh, I'm in an area where we're known for the shore, so the Jersey Shore. Let's go to the shore, the Garden State. Yeah, but if you touch, if you go to the, uh, if you go to the boardwalk, you go. Let's just say you go to the boardwalk because you live. I guess you live close by there, and you go by the shore. What is the one thing you got to go get? What is the one thing all your buddies got to get? The one thing that says, hey, we're in Jersey. What is that one thing, food-wise, that you guys would go for? You probably don't even think about it because you just do it. But what is that one thing? You know. As far as the Garden State, yeah, Jersey's got some beautiful areas. Just absolutely beautiful areas. And then, of course, not so, not so, just like every other place. So I'm just wondering, what is that one thing or two things that you would get? For me, back in LA, it would probably be, oh, uh, on a Friday night, chili cheeseburger from Tommy's with chili cheese fries, maybe an In-N-Out hamburger, because uh, it's LA. Maybe El Tapiac with the El Manuel Special Burrito if we're crazy. But if we're not so crazy, maybe the Hollenbeck, which is just a, awesome, just amazing burrito. It's huge. Uh, you know, Wisconsin, it's going to be cheese curds, fresh cheese curds. Everybody got to have that damn cheese curds. And if you bite into them and they don't squeak, there's something wrong. They're not fresh. But if you put them in a the microwave, you can get them back that way. What's another one? Uh, 
Oh, brats. I didn't even know what a brat was till I moved to Wisconsin. Wisconsin's very sausage orientated, very cheese. A lot of sauerkraut, a lot of German, uh, Italians. You know, a lot of descendants from those guys, and they're still up in that area. So we see a lot of that. Those are the two biggest things. Brats. Oh, and custard. They're really big on custard. Custard's fancy ice cream, but oh my god, is it good. Now that I'm diabetic, though, I can't eat that stuff. But it is still good. So, custard. Oh, you got to try that. It's good stuff. In fact, Leon's... Look up Leon's Frozen Custard, Milwaukee. I go there once in a while. And what that is, it's a custard stand on a corner. And the, the guys who made Happy Days, you know, the Fonz and all that stuff, that's what they originally based uh, the Mel's... Whatever the drive-in diner was called that they used to eat at. That's what... It was based on Leon's. It's all outdoors, just no indoors. First couple episodes of Happy Days were all outdoors. Then they moved indoors. But we go there once in a while. Milwaukee's a very Happy Days TV show kind of city. I think there's a bronze Fonz, statue of Fonzie downtown. Doesn't look like him, but I mean, it kind of does. It's right there on the river walk. So anyway, let's get back to that. What is the one thing that Kevin Touch has to have with his buddies when he goes downtown? Or when he goes to the shore? And what is it about Jersey that you want us to know about that everybody thinks is true but isn't? Yeah, that's a good question too. I can't wait to hear these answers. Hey, King. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um... Confused? Well, okay, so I've always been confused about barbecue, because to me, barbecue is um, the thing where you put the meat on the grill and, you know, it, it gets seared and the flavoring and, and it gets burned on the outside and, and you, you know, juicy on the inside uh, on the barbecue grill. That to me is barbecue. Um, so I don't really, and I, I ate some in Rustin, they called it barbecue, but to me it just tasted like meat with barbecue sauce on it. That, to me, is not considered barbecue, but what is the definition, what is the true definition of, you know, barbecue? I mean, I'd love to learn because I don't, I don't know these things. Um, is it regional? I, I don't know. I'm confused. <laughs> uh, and curious, too. Anyway, have a happy Friday. It's 49 degrees. King, you're making me hungry. I love red beans and rice. I don't know how to make red beans and rice. I'd love to learn. <coughs> and I, I've had some good red beans and rice. Um, I've had one that someone made for their meal for 40. They made a whole Mardi Gras meal with red beans and rice. This had, I think, sausage in it. Um, I've got a pressure cooker. So I'm sure I can make red beans and rice with uh, sausage in it. Uh, maybe soak the rice for a few days and hot water uh, with salt or whatever, and then, because uh, it's easier to digest for my stomach. And oh, I'm sure I could do it. I'm sure I could do it in this pressure cooker if I can figure out how to use the darn thing. So, yeah. Um, yum, that just sounds good. Oh, you're making me hungry. Stop it. <laughs> Keep it up. You know, I'm not really sure if there is a definite definition 
of what barbecue is. I mean, and there are regional specialties. You know, Kansas City is famous for its barbecue. Uh, New Orleans has got a good barbecue. Tex-Mex, they get, you know, they talk about their barbecue. Uh, you go down by Amber, uh, Texarkana, they're real big on it. But I, I honestly could not tell you the differences. Now, there are places that specialize in just barbecue down there. I didn't know in Milwaukee we had one. Um, I would guess, now I couldn't see into the kitchen, but I'm guessing that everything was slow-cooked because the, you know, the, the meat was very tender and the, the flavor of the sauce, and everything was obviously marinated because the, the, tent, the flavor of the meat was, I mean, you could just, I mean, it was just juicy and flavorful all the way through. I mean, it was just phenomenal. But as for what the definition is, I'm not really sure. I mean, I think it's just, there are certain things that you would think is barbecue and some things that aren't. And I guess anything cooked on a fire, you can consider a barbecue. But I think really what it comes down to is some barbecues are better than others, depending on how they do it. But like I said, I suspect that this is all slow cooked. You know, because they had to prepare this stuff way ahead of time. I just got a big, huge pan of ribs. Oh, my God, it was that good. Big old, huge pan of ribs. In fact, I got two little containers of it here in the cooler that I'm having a hard time not getting into. But I guess the, the ultimate definition of whether it's good or not is how messy your fingers and face are when you're done. Because if you don't have some sauce on your face when you're done, then you didn't like it enough. So I guess what it comes down to is you got to go to New Orleans or you got to go to Texarkana or you got to go to Kansas City and you got to try different ones. I need to do that, but I just never have. I, I would like to. It's just it's kind of a time thing. So that's I don't know what the definition is, but I'm willing to find out one bite at a time. Hey, King. Um yeah, I heard, you know, about the diabetes thing as well, and yikes. Well, I mean, congratulations, you're taking the right steps, you're, you know, you know what you need to do, and you're doing it. Now, one thing, though, um, that you might want to try, and it's not going to be easy, you know, to, to do this every day, in fact, I mean, because you, you drive, you know, so you can't, I don't think, but I actually every day drink one no, two, one to two quarts of, um, it's called green smoothie, and it's it, it can be disgusting, I mean, depending on what you put in it, but, you know, put your favorite things, of course, watch the things that are going to raise your blood sugar, like oranges, but, you know, that's um, some advice, and, you know, take it for what it's worth, um, it's a way to improve your your health. In fact, uh, one green smoothie that I drink uh, when I can uh, is pineapple, strawberry, I think pineapple, mango. Uh, I don't like peach in my smoothies. It tastes like a flower to me. Um, kale, cucumber. Uh, so, I mean, I like I said, I drink uh, one quart. No, two quarts. In fact, I have a... Where'd it go? That's weird. Um, I have a quart that I put somewhere... Um, and then also, you know, I changed the way I eat. I eat my fruits and stuff, or drink my fruits and stuff first. 
Then I eat the heavier stuff, so light to heavy. I mean, you don't have to, but, you know, um, I hope all this helps. You know, I hope all this helps. So, you know, good luck. Good luck, and be blessed. Hey, King. <clears throat> oh, boy. Um, actually, one person I love to listen to for interviews, and you've heard her, not on Anchor, but you've heard her on NPR's Fresh Air, is Terry Gross. I have heard her interviews for years, and I love them. I don't know if she's still going. I think the last time I listened to something that she put out was in 2010 on a podcast. But yeah, I mean, she is awesome. I'm just finishing lunch, and that's why I'm sniffling and sneezing, because I've got a condition where every time you eat, you tend to um, sneeze. Look it up. It's real. <coughs> it's a real condition. Some people burp or throw up or, you know, cough, like, you know, cough a lot. But no, Terry Gross is, I think, the best interviewer out there. Um, and some might disagree, and that's fine. But yeah, listen to her. She is all. Oh, now, that's my idol. Oh. Yeah, Sarah, the... I have a cooler in here, but it only keeps things down 44 degrees below the surrounding temperature. So what I was thinking about doing is making some smoothies, freezing them, and then taking them over the road. But you're right, I need to watch out for things that turn to bananas. Apparently bananas turn to sugar really fast. And grapes. I wouldn't use grapes in a smoothie, but I was eating grapes like a madman and thinking I was doing the right thing. And you'd be shocked. Grapes are like one of the worst things you could eat. Boom, instant sugar. I was kind of shocked when I found that out. And I was like all proud. I went to the dietician. I'm like, yeah, I've been eating a lot of grapes. And she's like, what? No, don't eat grapes. I'm like, what are you talking about? They're fruit. And she explained to me what it was. And I'm like, holy shit, no wonder why my numbers were getting so high. Yeah, I was blasting myself with sugar by eating the grapes. I had no idea. Tell you what, though, it takes me a lot longer to go through the grocery store now. Because i got to look at the stupid labels on everything. How much sugar is in it? How many carbs are in it? i got to look at all the labels. Luckily, there's a lot of apps that help you with stuff like that. There's one called... Ah, I forget what it's called. But anyway, you point the, the app at the barcode, and it shows you in teaspoons or tablespoons how much sugar is in the, in the product. And that's cool. I like that. It makes it a lot easier for me. I'm still new to this, so... I haven't had. I mean, I haven't been doing it long enough to fail, and I do fail once in a while. Pizza. I love pizza, but you know what though? Can't eat pizza that much anymore. But do I gotta eat it in moderation because pizza, unless it's made with a, you know, like a whole grain wheat flour or something, because white flour turns to sugar immediately. It's it's like you might as well be putting it in a needle and shoving it in your vein. You know, the whiter the the it's how does it go? The whiter the bread, the quicker you're dead. So I gotta cut out white bread. I gotta cut out, you know, anything that's overly, you know, it's gonna turn to sugar right away. So like I said, I'm still, still working on that. I've got a ways to go. I'm a work in progress, I guess. But I need to walk more, and that's the thing. That I'm not doing as much as I should. But hopefully I will. So, still a work in progress.
and it's still fairly new. I gotta go in for my three. Hold on, going around somebody. My three month follow up. And the big thing is she's gonna bitch at me because I'm not taking the the full metformin. the pill I gotta take. They wanted me to take five a thousand milligrams twice a day. Well, I cut it in half. Or take five hundred twice a day. And I know she's gonna bitch about it, but it's like, you know, I, I can't take a thousand twice a day. It gives me the shits. Okay, flat out. I mean, I'm just gonna say it. It's the worst. I mean, like grumbly tummy. Uh, oh no, I gotta go now. I feel like I'm gonna die. You know, that kind of, I got to go now. And I'm going down a road in an 80,000-pound vehicle. And when I do 500 twice a day, I got no problems whatsoever. When I'm doing 1,000 twice a day, when I got to go, I got to go. And I got to go now. And I got to figure out how to park this damn truck. And that is not easy. You know, I can, if, you know, if I got time, I could go wherever. It's no big deal to park the truck. But when you got to go and you got to go now... No, 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 no. You can't. It's just too problematic. So I tried that. I was miserable for a couple of weeks. And I thought, Jesus, you know, if this is helping me, it's freaking killing me too. Because I was miserable all the time. But 500 twice a day? I can live with that. So I'm just waiting for her to start bitching about that. But, you know, what are you going to do? Hi, Kingfish. Um, I, my cholesterol hit 360. Um, about, um, about November, about October. Yeah, I think it was, that was the level it was at. Um, yeah, 9.3 we call it over here. Yeah. Well, I hope... Um, oh dear, I'm falling asleep. I, I won't even try to say anything more than I'm falling asleep. And... Uh, okay, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye. <laughs> Good night, Paul. Yeah, my cholesterol's fine. I don't know what the numbers are, though. But they said people with di diabetes, cholesterol goes up. But my blood sugar, which I know they measure different over there, was 7.1 here. And it's supposed to be, like, between 5 and 6 or something. But with the meter readings, I think I've gotten it down into the 5s, which is normal. Every once in a while, I'll spike. But at least now I know why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling. Now I go for my medical, my, my medical card in March. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. But I've hit a milestone in my life. Generally, the medical card is two years. But because of the new medications I'm on, I'm going to be down to one year card. And that's kind of a blow. Yeah, that's definitely a sign of getting older. And there's going to be a good, you know, strangely enough, there's going to be a day when I can't drive anymore. And part of me looks forward to that day because I don't want to drive anymore. At least not, you know, where I, 
I like to drive for my own time, do what I want to do, but, you know, this hustle and freight gets a little old after a while, but, yeah, there's going to be a time when I miss it, too. So it's going to be, you know, that day is sooner than later. You know, I'm closer to the end of my career than I am the beginning of it, I guess is the best way to say it. Now, I got quite a ways to go, don't get me wrong, but I'm still closer to the end than the beginning. And that's okay. That's the way it's supposed to be. But, yeah, I did a but. The thing is, I don't know, it'll just be life-changing. So hopefully I'll find something to do. Try to do all those things I dream about doing while I'm going down a road. Even though I pay attention to literally everything that's going on around me. We all have our daydreams. Just minor to the backdrop of an interstate highway. As I speak from Tulsa, Oklahoma. So good night, Paul. I'm going to go finish listening to the rest of your station. I'll be listening to you tomorrow. And today. And hopefully for a long time coming. Because I like audio storytelling. I really do. There's a couple of NPR stations I really like too. Like This American Life and stuff like that. But something about your stuff, Paul, just just really shines.